Come on, let's go. By shortwave broadcast, direct from important overseas capitals, we are about to broadcast this moment in our history. Hello and welcome to the History Workshop Podcast. I'm Mary Beth Hamilton. The 25th of August, 2020, is the 200th birthday of the radical writer and activist Dan Chatterton. Born in London, Chatterton was a tireless opponent of poverty, inequality, and royal and clerical privilege, and he publicized those views in street corner oratory and in the pages of his self-produced paper, Chatterton's Commune, the Atheistic Communistic Scorcher. To mark the anniversary of this maverick's birth, Andrew Whitehead has created a podcast that doubles as a walking tour, a trek through the streets of London and into Dan Chatterton's footsteps. The tour begins on Clerkenwell Green, and you can find a map for the journey that follows on the episode page for this podcast. Here's Andrew. I'm Andrew Whitehead. Thanks very much for joining me on this podcast that takes us in the footsteps of Dan Chatterton, who was born 200 years ago. He was, in his own words, one of the revolutionary type of workers for political and social advancement. Daniel Chatterton was an opponent of what he called priestcraft and kingcraft, two rascals who had ever gone hand in hand to cramp the brain. He was a street corner orator, a tenacious pamphleteer, and begetter of quite the most remarkable of late 19th century radical papers. Chatterton's Commune, the atheistic communistic scorcher. Self-written, self-published, self-printed and self-marketed and appearing roughly every three months over more than a decade. Old Chat, as he sometimes called himself, was from Clerkenwell. Those of you who are on the Dan Chatterton Walk, and this recording works both as a podcast and as a walking guide, should now be on Clerkenwell Green. There'll be five legs to the walk, each taking no more than ten minutes. And we'll be giving you full directions. Clerkenwell Green in the Victorian era was one of London's most renowned venues for radical protest and for outdoor speaking pictures. Chatterton recalled in his pamphlet autobiography that he had a run-in with the authorities here. During the Chartist struggle of 1848... I was badly injured in defending myself from an attack on the people by police on Clerkenwell Green. On successive nights at the end of May 1848, Chartists, campaigners for political reform, gathered here in spite of a police proclamation banning demonstrations. There were clashes as police cleared Clerkenwell Green and neighbouring streets. Several novelists drew on Chatterton for inspiration. One, Richard Whiting, called a character based on him old 48. Chatterton also recounted being roughly used at another big reform demonstration 18 years later in 1866, this time at Hyde Park. A brutal Tory government shut the gate. Result? Rails went down before an enraged people. For three days, fighting was the order of the day. The commissioner of police was tearing over the park on his white horse when a well-directed brick sent him flying heels up. His head thawed on Mother Earth. That settled him. The ultra-radical groups which emerged in the early 1870s faced police harassment. Pressure was put on pub landlords not to allow them meeting rooms. 
1872, they took over part of 37A Clerkenwell Green. That's the building on the north side of the green, which bears the date 1737, and which is now, suitably perhaps, the Marx Memorial Library. Through the 1870s and 80s, it was the Patriotic Club, London's leading radical working men's club. One writer who knew the place well insisted that the proceedings were unthreatening. It was... A homely meeting of ordinary British artisans. The rant of rebellion was rarely in their mouths, which spoke rather the more sincere, if more prosaic, discontent of the toiler, who finds times hard and the hearts of the rulers harder. But there were exceptions. Among them... The communist Chatterton, the sincere and simple type of reformer that looks from the meanness and misery about him and sees aloft did the red right arm redress the eternal scales. Time now to move on. So if you're facing the Marx Memorial Library, turn left and right onto Farringdon Lane and along Farringdon Road. At the junction with Rosebury Avenue, turn left. Then more or less straight away, take a right downhill on Mount Pleasant. Listen as you go to this extract from Chatterton's first pamphlet from 1872, supporting police on strike for more pay. He hoped that police and soldiers would start to think for themselves and be part of a general uprising. In fact, an entire smashing up of kings, queens, princes, priests and policemen, land and money mongers, and rascality of all sizes and degrees. In a word, an entire reorganisation of society on the basis of liberty, equality and fraternity. The only police force you might require would be a small force to arrange your street traffic. Prigs, paupers and prostitutes, legalised and otherwise, would gradually vanish into the ranks of labour. Now put this commentary on pause until you're outside the Apple Tree pub on Mount Pleasant. The apple tree dates back to the 18th century. I remember it as a pub where printers at the Times, before the Murdoch era that is, would get a drink. It's now an LGBTQ pub. A few doors further down on Mount Pleasant, Dorrington Street as it was at first called, there are buildings with a 1720 date plaque. I wonder if you found that. This was where Chatterton, by his own account, was born on the 25th of August, 1820. The family probably just had two or three rooms. His father was a Japaner, a skilled trade involving lacquering furniture. Clerkenwell was an area of artisan trades, watchmaking, jewellery, printing, bookbinding. Chatterton's father suffered an accident of some kind, and that seems to have been the start of the family's slide into a precarious existence. Daniel suffered from ill health as a youngster. His attempts to set himself up as a bootmaker failed. In the 1850s, at the time of the Crimean War, he enlisted in the army. He seems to have spent much of his service in a military hospital in Malta. Back in London, he earned a living of sorts as a bill poster. His first wife, Emma, died in St Pancras Workhouse at the age of 32. His second wife, Emily, doesn't seem to have hung around for long. Of his children, only one, Alfred, reached adulthood, and he seems to have had special needs. Chatterton was in his 50s before he started producing his angry pamphlets, at first conventionally printed and then more haphazard in appearance on cheap paper with irregular type. The tone? Well, here's his message to the Prince of Wales. The day of retribution is fast coming. 
the revolution of the belly without brains. A revolution that will sweep you, prince, and then tie a gang of royal lurchers either into the ranks of labour or off the face of the earth like vermin, as you are. As for the prince's mother, Queen Victoria... Do you ever think, mad murderous queen, in your drunken frenzied reels at Balmoral, your fat legs, your whole frame, is thrilling in the excitement of the dance, that your sister woman is yielding her body, not for love, but for bread? So you get his uncompromising style. Those of you on foot should head off now towards Red Lion Square. Carry on along Mount Pleasant, so that means taking the left fork and that brings you out on Grayson Road at the junction with Theobald's Road. Cross Grayson Road, carry on along Theobald's Road and after a few minutes turn left onto Red Line Street. Then take the walkway on the right, Lamb's Conduit Passage, which leads to Red Line Square. On your way, take a listen to this a more thoughtful side to Chatterton's propaganda, which has a proto-feminist aspect to it, from his penny pamphlet entitled Babies and Bunny Rabbits. Mothers of England, think well over this question. Know that you are the framework of the evolutionary propagation of the forces of life. Know that the means of restricting that propagation lies entirely in your own hands. Feel that you may gratify, to your heart's desire, all the sexual pleasure of love, of life, of all desire, without having the bitter reflection that by your reckless act of reproduction of a greater number than your two selves, you have doomed all to the penalty of death by starvation. That pamphlet went on to refer to various forms of contraception. That's quite something for the 1880s. Now, walkers should pause this recording until you're outside the main entrance to Conway Hall in Red Lion Square. Conway Hall dates from the 1920s, long after Chatterton's time. It's in essence the headquarters of the free thought and humanist movement in the UK and was set up by the South Place Ethical Society. They used to have an institute in South Place in Finsbury, long demolished. Chatterton imbibed his atheism and free thought from his father and he delighted in barbing evangelists. On one occasion, a bishop invited Chatterton home to continue a discussion initiated at a gospel meeting. Chatterton told the story with a delighted mischief. There for one hour did the bishop and the bill sticker plead for and paste God to their utmost ability. At parting, Chatterton, said the bishop, I'm afraid it is as you are. But give me a promise. Should God bring you to himself, come and tell me. Oh yes, bishop, said Chatterton. I promise that, I, and give you some advice with it. Don't you sit there until I come back, lest you get tired. It was at the South Place Institute, the forerunner of Conway Hall, that John Henry Mackay came across Chatterton in the late 1880s and set down one of the fullest descriptions of him in his documentary novel, The Anarchists. No meeting of socialists in London was held at which this man was not to be. An old grey-headed man with sharp features who was hurling his wild accusations against the existing order, who made his living by peddling socialistic pamphlets and papers. Revolt, workers, revolt, heads off. In letters a centimetre high. A smile crept over the face of the old man. That is my jubilee present to the Queen. 
my old eyes no longer see anything, so I must have recourse to an expedient and use large letters which I can feel with my fingertips. I set it with my fingers, without eyes and without manuscript, out of my head, printed without a press. Then the old man put his things into a bag, threw it over his shoulders with a powerful jerk, pulled his hat, he always wore two felt hats, one drawn over the other, over his grey head and left. Time for us to leave too. Those of you on foot should head off towards Covent Garden. Walk to the far side of Red Lion Square and turn left, then right at the end onto High Holborn. At Holborn Tube Station, turn left onto Kingsway, crossing over to the far side of the street and then right onto Parker Street. Carry on until just about the end of the street by the entrance to Parker Mews. As you go, let's hear what happened when Chatterton attended a meeting of the Clerkenwell branch of the Marxist Social Democratic Federation, where Lord Brabazon was a guest speaker talking about the benefits of emigration. Old Chatterton, who, for all his diatribes against the aristocracy, had never got a chance of giving one of its members a bit of his mind, was naturally on hand. Chatterton struggled onto the platform and poured out his indignation. Gaunt, ragged, unshaven, almost blind he stood, the embodiment of helpless, furious poverty, and shaking his palsied fist in Brabazon's face, denounced him and his efforts to plaster over social sores winding up with a lurid imaginative account of the uprising of the people and a procession in which the prominent feature would be the head of the noble lecturer on a pike. I shall never forget Lady Brabazon's face while this harangue was delivered. So those on foot, pause the recording until we reach the far end of Parker Street in Covent Garden. We're now on Parker Street, which runs between Kingsway and Drury Lane. Chatterton would have seen some of these mansion blocks being built, replacing fairly squalid slums. And it was in slum housing here and elsewhere in Covent Garden that Chatterton lived in the closing years of his life. In places that he said were... Not fit for a pig to live in. He turned up once at a meeting of the Malthusian League, an organisation promoting family planning, and declared... He lived in one of the vilest slums of Drury Lane and consorted with people who had nothing but a pauper's grave staring them in the face. Thousands and thousands of poor people in London had no pair to lie on. He was a communist and more than that, a strong neo-Malthusian. He advised the poor to marry if they pleased, but to have as few children as possible until they were better off. He himself had drunk deep of the cup of human misery having been the father of ten children, eight of whom were dead, and having witnessed sights enough to drive him into despair. When Charles Booth and his team surveyed this area in the late 1880s, some of the housing at this end of Parker Street was marked black, the lowest category, by which Booth meant... Lowest class, vicious, semi-criminal. One of Booth's investigators came across a room at 12 Parker Street, which Chatterton had recently vacated. On the second floor, there was till lately a father and son, Bill Posters of good character. The man is a notorious atheist, one who holds forth on behalf of his creed under railway arches, saying that if there be a god, he must be a monster to permit such misery as exists. This man suffers from heart disease, and the doctor tells him that some day in his excitement he will drop down dead. Chatterton was living just a few minutes' walk from here when he died, just short of his 75th birthday, in July 1895. 
We're heading on now to Denmark Street. At the end of Parker Street, turn right onto Drury Lane and then left back onto High Hoburn. You'll see the spire of St Giles in the fields and we are heading in that direction. So you head not along Shaftesbury Avenue but past St Giles and then left onto Denmark Street. As you do, take a listen to extracts from Chatterton's penny pamphlet, The Commune in England. For ages we have been told to rest content in the position it has pleased God to place us. Now, this may be a very nice precept for those who possess land, houses and wealth untold. But look on the other side. See that we have a million of paupers, that we have 30,000 prostitutes and thousands of prigs, all unlegalised. And then ask yourselves, in the name of common sense, what have these poor creatures, all of them men and women, our brothers and sisters, what have they got to be thankful for or to rest content with? Now pause until we reach Denmark Street. Denmark Street was once Tin Pan Alley. That's fading now, but there are still quite a few guitar shops. Once there were sheet music publishers and recording studios too. Before that, this was known as Little Tokyo, the heart of London's Japanese community. And still earlier, St Giles, this corner of London, was a centre of artisan radicalism, and particularly of followers of the Chartist and Socialist Brontair O'Brien. These O'Brienites were a bridge linking Chartism of the 1840s and the new socialist groups which emerged in the 1880s. They also worked alongside political émigrés. The O'Brienites mustered in force in the International Working Men's Association, of which Karl Marx was a prominent member. Their main meeting place was the Eclectic Hall, a small building, once a chapel, which stood very close to here on Denmark Place, parallel to Denmark Street to its north, and which was demolished in the 1880s. Chatterton would have known it well. He was for a while on the council of the O'Brienites Land and Labour League. In one of his early pamphlets, he put forward the People's Programme proposed, the fullest account of what he was for rather than against, which reflected the O'Brienite emphasis on land and currency reform and on the emancipation of women. Take these extracts. Firstly, that every woman and man of the age of 20 shall have and use her and his right of citizenship to vote in all matters of government and to vote as senates. Secondly, that your senate at once form statutes for the education of the people, such education to be secular, free and compulsory. Thirdly, the nationalisation of all lands, houses, mines, fisheries and seas, the mercantile marine and railways. Fourthly, an arrangement of the monetary and labour laws so as to render injustice impossible. Fifthly, that the Senate shall be empowered to annul now and forever all past acts of Parliament, their motto being the interest of the many, life, liberty and happiness to all. As Chatterton aged and his propaganda became more bitter, he went his own way. While he never described himself as an anarchist, he was most comfortable among anarchists. We'll head now to our final stop, the British Museum. At the end of Denmark Street, turn right onto Charing Cross Road, past the last remaining stub of Denmark Place, 
and navigate the cross-rail construction work as best as you can to head in a straight line onto Tottenham Court Road. Then first right onto Great Russell Street and along to the main entrance to the British Museum. As we head on, let's hear from the anarchist David Nicholl, who recalled Dan Chatterton as... A pale, haggard old man who used to climb the platform at meetings of the unemployed or in the closely packed socialist lecture halls and pour forth wild denunciations of the robbery and injustice that flourishes in our rotten society, mingled with fearful prophecies of the terrible revolution that was coming. He looked as he stood in the glare of the gaslight, with his ghastly face and flashing eyes, clad in an old grey overcoat and black slouched hat, a red woolen scarf knotted round his neck, like some grim spectre evolved from the misery and the crime of the London slums, and middle-class men who had entered the meeting from curiosity shuddered as they murmured to themselves, Marat. Yes, Marat come to life again, an English Marat. Pause this audio guide now until you get to outside the British Museum on Great Russell Street. The British Museum, our last stop. But for this institution, there'd be little to say about Dan Chatterton. He once declared that... The whole of my literary productions may be read at the British Museum Library. That's because he gave the library a copy of everything he published. And here it was bound and catalogued. And when the British Library moved to its new site on Euston Road, Chatterton's pamphlets and a complete run of the Scorcher moved there too. The Scorcher didn't have a lot of content sometimes just four pages of large font text. In one edition he wrote this, and Hanwell, by the way, was the site of what was then called a lunatic asylum. We are too hot for hell, too mad for Hanwell, the Scotra will not go broke, a choir of yellow tissue, sixpence, and half penny worth of ink, pull that lot, and so on until issue of paper is out. To do this means stern determination in long hours, night after night. Very little gain, but no loss. Expenditure, £2 per year. Income, £3. Now isn't I a scorcher? I am 70 years of age, going for that other 50 deaf and near blind. But remember what I can do. So can you. Go and do it. Then our world will be a scorcher too. Alongside the anger, there's an optimism in Chatterton's polemics which is uplifting. He was outlandish, but inspiring too. He wrote clearly and directly, often giving details of the diminished lives of his fellow slum dwellers. And while the fury underlying his insurrectionary rhetoric was real, the tone was theatrical rather than literal. And many of his concerns, housing, gender, privilege, inequality, secular education, remain our concerns. Towards the end of his life, he sold professionally taken photographs of himself at a shilling each, to raise money for a burial fund. The attempt failed. He was buried in a pauper's grave in Finchley, which remains unmarked. The anarchist paper Freedom paid tribute to... Brave old Dan Chatterton, one who was courageous, consistent and honest. His well-known figure will be sadly missed, for he had no enemies, not even amongst the police. His 75 years of poverty and struggle endured mostly in the gutters of London streets, Finding in his own way the battle against social injustice is a piece of heroism which will carry his name down to future generations. And this podcast and walk is testament to that. His name has been kept alive down the generations.
Thank you for your company. Many thanks to everyone who took part in this podcast. Andrew Whitehead, Anurada Awasti, Rowan Whitehead, and Samira Whitehead. Please visit our website, historyworkshop.org.uk. You can find us on Twitter at HistoryWO and on Facebook and Instagram as History Workshop. This is the History Workshop podcast. I'm Mary Beth Hamilton. Thanks for listening.